0: Welcome to Access Utah. I'm Tom Williams. This presidential campaign season has been extraordinary, to say the least. And the show is coming to Utah with caucuses on Tuesday and a Republican presidential debate that was scheduled for Salt Lake City and is now canceled. Various candidates will be coming to Utah. I'm hearing Bernie Sanders will visit. Also, John Kasich. Other candidates may be coming. We're going to talk about this whole campaign season on the program today. Our guests include... Desert News columnists Lavar Webb and Frank Pignanelli. Later in the program, we'll be talking with Utah Democratic Party Chairman Peter Caroon and with Jonathan Choate, who's getting out the word about Republican caucuses. And uh, I want to hear from you. Use um, your opportunity to comment on this. A couple of ways to do that. Upraccess at gmail.com. Upraccess at gmail.com. And our phone number is 1-800-826-1495. 1-800-826-1495. And uh, we welcome in uh, Deseret News columnists uh, Frank Pignanelli and Lavar Webb. Lavar Webb is a political consultant and lobbyist. Previously, he was a policy deputy to Governor Mike Levitt and Desert News managing uh, editor. And he runs the uh, website Utah Policy Daily. You can find that at utahpolicy.com. Lavar Webb, welcome back to the program. Good to be here. And uh, Frank Pignanelli is a Democrat, a Salt Lake uh, attorney, lobbyist, and political advisor. He served 10 years in the Utah House of Representatives, six years as minority leader. Uh, Frank Pignanelli, welcome back to the program.
1: Thank you. Always great to be here.
0: Uh, let me jump in. This has been an extraordinary presidential year. Uh, it's we're, we're all trying to make sense of it. I'll start with LeVar Webb, and, and I guess I'll just jump to the... Uh, "Quote unquote elephant in the room." Uh, what what do you what does Trump mean? I'll I'll just start with that. What 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 do you think the the rise of Trump? He's getting thirty five forty percent of the Republican primary vote. What do you think that means?
2: Well, it means there's an awful lot of uh, voters out there that aren't happy with the status quo, aren't happy with the establishment, and certainly the, that sentiment was vastly underestimated by a lot of the other candidates, and certainly by all of the pundits, including me, uh, I certainly would not have predicted that Trump would do as well as he has. He is only getting 30, 35%, sometimes close to 40%. So the majority of Republicans uh, do not support him, but he's still on track, uh, has has to be considered the favorite to win the nomination.
0: Greg Pignanelli, what, what do you think Trump means?
1: Some other factors that are happening that are uh, that are fascinating, and I think what we're witnessing is a huge shift in the political dynamics we've not seen probably since maybe the '60s and in the 1850s. Uh, because a lot of Trump's victories are being driven by dem- foreign Democrats that are switching over to vote for Trump, many of them blue collar Democrats, and so what we're witnessing is a realignment of the parties, and which is causing consternation for and all that. So that's that's part of it. The other part of it, too, in my opinion, is that the traditional rules of politics are changing. Usually it's, you know, whoever had the most money and they can drop the most media bombs uh, prevailed. And that obviously was not the case in his primary. Trump, although having a high name identification, he basically is winning through Twitter, <laughs> his Twitter account. And those candidates that have the largest funded super PACs are already gone by the wayside, so the the, the way you reach out to voters is also very is also has change, is changing dramatically
0: frank Piglly what what does that portend You you mentioned those crossover realignment and crossover Democrats What does that portend for a possible uh, Clinton versus uh, trump general election race
1: well what it, 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 it makes it very interesting obviously because uh, Clinton is going to have to figure out uh, how she can return back to the center after the long, grueling campaign with Bernie Sanders and recapture him. What's going to be interesting also is that both Trump and uh, Hillary Clinton are the least-liked politicians inside the par- both of the respective parties, so they're to have to boost up their favorability ratings. And so in many ways, if she wants to recapture the Trump um, voters, she's going to have to, you know, now say the things he's been saying about trade and things like that, but that will alienate the potential Republicans who are angry with Trump. So it's going to have to be a delicate dance for Hillary Clinton, and who knows what what Trump does? I mean, he he excels in being unpredictable, which is apparently what everyone likes, and and he's and he's impervious to hits. So I think it's it's Hillary Clinton's race to lose if she doesn't. Uh, but, but I believe she's the one person that probably could do it, because you see what you want about Hillary, but she is a survivor, and she knows how to play to audiences.
0: LeVar Webb, wondered that if you could handicap the potential general election race, the one that's looking most likely, Clinton versus uh, Trump, and especially with, uh, there are some Republicans talking about a, a third-party run. Some establishment figures are, are unhappy with uh, Trump. Mitt Romney, of course, came out and said anybody but uh, Trump.
2: Yes, it's going to be uh, very difficult for establishment Republicans to choose between Donald Trump and Hillary Clinton. Uh, I, I do think that Clinton has the advantage in the, in the general election. She's a deeply flawed candidate and isn't very likable, but she's at least a known factor, and uh, she wouldn't plunge the country into war or a depression in her first six months. And and Trump is so unpredictable that uh, and so will be so disliked by Hispanic voters and and other minority voters. A lot of women are now turning against him. Uh, that I think I think Clinton would be the the favorite by far. And the Republicans' big concern is that Trump would uh, pull down the <clears throat> the U.S. Senate with him. The, the Republican Senate candidates who were kind of on the bubble and and the Democrats would win the U.S. Senate as well. So. I and the the third party run, you know, it just there isn't any good scenario out of that uh uh do you hand the the win to to Clinton even even easier? Uh If, if a third party candidate runs uh, uh if the convention is contested and and the establishment tries to put someone in when trump has a, a plurality of a strong plurality of of uh support there you know that isn't a good scenario either because you alienate all the trump supporters so it's just a very difficult uh situation and and it probably means we will have uh, president clinton
0: let me uh, start with this question with the uh, with frank pignanelli uh Part of the rules that you're saying are thrown out this year are are outrageous statements, and at least Trump, and it seems like maybe only uh, Mr. Trump, is impervious. He has such a solid base, you know, thirty five ish percent of the Republicans, uh, that he can just say seems like whatever he wants, and uh, and, he, and he's not getting punished for it. Uh, in fact, uh, Pignell and Webb have a very interesting uh, fun column. <laughs> I think it's the latest column on Trumpisms. Which you're applying to the legislature. One example that, and this isn't the most outrageous, but this is just kind of one example. I'm very highly educated. I know words. I have the best words. Uh, another candidate might have been laughed out of the room uh, on on that one. Uh, that's just one in a long stream of statements, and he doesn't seem to get hit.
1: Well, what Trump has figured out is something that I live by. If you say anything, no matter how outrageous, with enough passion and conviction. <laughs> it it it, it uh, you get it, it it becomes the truth um. And even though people can dispute it, if you just keep on saying it and, and, and not back down, well, our our culture, our media culture, this up to date has been: if someone makes the slightest misstep, then there's two or three days of damage control. Trump doesn't do that. He just keeps on. He just keeps on repeating it and keeps on repeating it with force and conviction. And, and so, even though there's doubt, at the same time, because he, the way he says it is like, well, you know. I guess he believes that. So he—you have to give him credit. He understands the American psyche. That if, even if something's wrong, if Americans like having, hearing that passion and hearing that conviction, and, and that's what—and that's what he's dishing up. It's outrageous what he's saying. It's awful what he's saying about all sorts of different people. But he just keeps on saying it without backing down. And I think that he, that some corners of, of of a lot of Americans that's appealing to them and he's going to keep on doing it and even though the meat even though the fact checkers and things like that call him out he just keeps on saying it and by him keeps saying it it raises doubt as to those challenging him
0: Lavar Webb a similar question the, the the statements and I expect that one of the things I think a lot of people like about Donald Trump is the unpredictability but a I guess a quote unquote normal candidate that conventional candidate maybe a better better word would now uh, we assume that uh, Trump is probably going to get the nomination would then pivot to the general general election and might uh, start to moderate the tone do you, do you think that would be the case?
2: well i I think Trump will try to do that uh, but uh, and you can tell I'm no I'm not a fan of Donald Trump uh, uh, but the only I mean, there are a lot of people who are saying, "Well, he's saying all this stuff, and he's doing it to get attention." But, <clears throat> but really, he's a he's a strong leader and he's stable, and and he will moderate and he will become more mainstream. <clears throat> I, I have no doubt he will try to do that. But the only the only way I can judge a, a candidate is by what they say and what they have done, and I think on both counts, for me at least, Trump does not measure up. Obviously. Uh, he's he said a lot of bigoted, uh, uh, just ridiculous things, and his actions in his business and in his personal life uh, don't show me that he has any political guideposts that he has <clears throat> any real principles. I, I think that he will change and try to change uh, to to be to be seen as more moderate and mainstream, <clears throat> but I think he just remains unpredictable and who knows what a president of Trump would be.
0: Hmm. Lavar Webb, um I I'm wondering um the polls are showing that uh, Donald Trump is not playing as well in Utah as he's playing in other states. Is, do you think that's the case?
2: Yes, I do. I I I think the visits by the candidates this uh, weekend and early next week, uh, I you know, uh, Kasich is coming and Cruz is coming and There's been some talk that Trump might come. The endorsements, you know, late-minute, last-minute endorsements may make a difference. Uh, But I think that Cruz will has the most momentum in Utah. I think he picks up more of the Rubio supporters. So I would, my guess will be that Rubio will, excuse me, Cruz will win uh, Tuesday night. I wouldn't be surprised if Trump comes in third uh, because he is not really very well-liked in Utah.
0: Frank Piccinelli, if if we take that, uh, stipulate that Trump is not as well liked in Utah. Why? Why do you think so?
1: There's a way that we do business here in Utah. You know the Utah way, which is obviously very successful. You know we're we're, we're a well managed state. Uh, We accomplish great things, and you know, but we're not a we're not a confrontational state in many ways. Trump is everything that Utah is not. boastful, <laughs> full you know. And, 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 and there's a reason why he doesn't release his tax returns because it's all puff, you know, it's all smoke and mirrors. I think he's over overrated his the value of his, his brand name. It just I can't think of a person more unlike a Utah than Donald Trump, and that and it, and it grates on their nerves. And that, that's why you know early on they. You look at that Republican bench, you know, six months ago, and it was incredible of all the people they had, and there were a lot of great choices that Utahns felt comfortable with. And Donald Trump is not that person.
0: Mm. Uh, I'll start with this one with Frank Pignon. By the way, if you just joined us, we're talking about this extraordinary presidential campaign season. The show is coming to Utah caucuses on uh, Tuesday Uh, caucuses for Republicans, Democrats, and I believe for the Constitution Party as well. Um, And you can go to caucus.utah.gov to get more information on that caucus.utah.gov. Uh, to participate in the in the caucuses. Uh, we're talking with Deseret News uh, columnists uh, Frank Pignanelli and Lavar Webb on this part of the program. Later, we'll be talking with Utah Democratic Party Chairman Peter Karun and with Jonathan Choate, who's getting out the word about the Republican uh, caucuses. We want to hear from you. Love to know what you think. Donald Trump or, or whoever, Bernie Sanders, another extraordinary phenomenon, and we'll talk about him as well. Uh, Upraccess at gmail.com, or you can uh, phone us to 1-800-826-1495. Upraccess at gmail.com or 1-800-826-1495. Perhaps you'd like to tell us who you're going to support at your caucus, whether or not you're, you're going uh, to, to the caucus. Um, and the email is upracess at uh, gmail.com. Uh, um, I want to uh, want to, to, to uh, pivot and talk about uh, Bernie Sanders and uh, at least one person I saw Bill O'Reilly uh, equate Donald Trump and Bernie Sanders. He he was saying I'll start with uh, Frank Piccinelli on this one. He was saying that uh, the, the, the two are tapping into very similar um, uh, types of anger among the 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 voting population. Do you think that's true?
1: Well, it may be anger, but they're not similar anger. I mean, Donald Trump is tapping into bigotry and xenophobia and everything like that bernie sanders is tapping into a frustration i believe amongst uh liberals and left-wing democrats as to frustrations in the obama administration the government and things like that but but bernie sanders is a very different person i think also why bernie sanders is, is is still in the race is because even Republicans have to admit that the man is sincere, he's genuine, and you may not like his politics, but there's no doubt about his his integrity, and and so I think that's that's a big piece of it. You, you can't say that about Trump. I think that just Bill O'Reilly's way try to, trying to disparage Bernie Sanders.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, Lamar Webb, what do you think about that? Do you, do you do you equate the the two movements or or not?
2: Well, I. I, I... I completely agree with Frank. I think they are two very different people. Uh, I, I do think that that uh, it has been as big a surprise uh, what is Bernie, Bernie Sanders' success as it has been uh, Donald Trump's success. Who would have ever thought that a democratic socialist would uh, be a viable contender? Uh, I mean, who, who even knew Bernie Sanders before all of this happened? Uh, uh, so, so again, it was completely unpredictable those of us who write about these things never, you know, were wrong in thinking that he would would be a very short termer, and of course uh, Hillary Clinton is on track to still win the nomination, but he's he has uh, excited young people, uh, people who tend to be more leftist, uh, and a very interesting phenomenon, but, but as Frank said, I think is is somewhat different than the uh, both tapping into frustration and so forth, but but in very different ways.
0: I want to uh, return just one more thing on Donald Trump. Uh, I'll start with Lavar Webb on this one. Uh, do you think Mitt Romney's very strong statement against Trump has or will have uh, a significant effect?
2: Well, I think it'll. I think that'll be part of uh, what happens in Utah. I think his his statements uh, will <laughs> will hurt Trump in Utah. I don't know that it, it hurt, uh, it made a lot of differences in the, the number of votes uh, that Trump is getting nationally, but I do think it, he uh, Romney was kind of the first major mainstream establishment guy to really come out hard against Trump, and I think him doing that kind of opened the way for a lot of others to be more critical of Trump and to, and to come out uh, uh, more harshly against Trump, and so I think he did... Provide some cover for other establishment people, and so I, I think it had an effect in in that respect.
0: Frank Pignanelli, what do what do you think will be the ongoing, if any, effect of uh, Governor Romney's uh, uh, speech?
1: Yeah, I I, I think it probably hurts him in Utah, but outside of that, I'm not sure it resonates. What's been interesting to me is whether it's Romney or whether it's these commercials with these with these women stating, you know, repeating these horrible things Donald Trump has said about women. Nothing really seems to dent him. Now, maybe it has to be death of a thousand cuts to, to take down Trump. But so far, yeah, his margins are shrinking a little bit, but so, nothing seems to be hurting him so far.
0: And is this, Frank Pignanelli, is this a factor of it's a, some 35% of Republicans just love Trump or, or have uh, chosen him as a vessel for their anger, and and then we'll see once polls come out in a two-way race, a national race, or is this Trump's mastery of the media? What, to, to what do you attribute this this ongoing popularity?
1: Well, I think popular... it's e all the above. You have Trump, like I said, he's willing to just keep on saying something without apologizing. He's appealing to some instincts, but also, if you look at it from a 30,000-foot level, Americans, majority of Americans have become more and more distrustful of traditional institutions anyway, whether it's political, religious, business, whatever. They've become more and more distrustful of what, whatever the establishment, the status quo is. And... Trump is, even though he is a creature and has, you know, any success he enjoys because of establishment, he takes everyone down. I will say this: he's an equal opportunity abuser. <laughs> and he is. He has no problems calling Republicans, Democrats, business leaders, uh, you name it, stupid, and and so therefore he is appealing to what I what we're seeing as a trend in America, which is a, a real distrust of traditional institutions, he's taken them all down. I mean, the, the guy took on the Pope, and it didn't, it, it didn't hurt him, so uh, that's what I think he's tapped into. Mm-hmm. And I, even think, I don't think it was absolutely intentional on his part, just, I think he, he was hopeful he could survive two or three months into the campaign to boost his sale of stakes or whatever else he's peddling. But because of what he was saying, he tapped into something that's very deep, and you know, generations. So now historians will say he was the first of of many who were able to, to, to predict. I would not predict, but able to, to take advantage of this situation.
0: Lamar Webb, I want to run past you to paraphrase something that Marco Rubio said in his speech when he suspended his campaign. He 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 referenced the fact that he is a product of the Tea Party. He rode the Tea Party wave into office in the Senate. Then he, then he seemed to be saying that uh, it's maybe it's going too far, this, this uh, you know, don't, don't choose a leader to be a vessel for your, to, for your anger that's just going to divide more and more. This goes to a, d- a division that's been happening in the Republican Party. Uh, I don't know if you agree with Marco Rubio on that. And the second question would be, what do you worry about damage to the Republican brand?
2: Yes, I certainly do. Uh, I'm concerned about uh, the Republican brand and I, because I don't think uh Donald Trump is a real Republican. I mean, he's he's switched parties and he's not a conservative. I, who knows what he is? I don't think he knows what he what he is either. Uh I do think the certainly the Tea Party arose out of some real frustration with what was happening in in Washington. A lot of that was driven by Barack Obama and the Democrats, when they had control of Congress, they they simply went way too far and, and created this, this enormous bash- backlash that was the Tea Party, and, and Trump is an extension of that. But I think that Trump has brought in a lot more people than just the Tea Party. Uh, one, one of my disappointments is, is beyond Trump is the number of, of, of good American citizens who will actually follow him. I do think he has brought in... Uh, people who, who really love uh, reality TV and follow the Kardashians and aren't really too up to speed on, on politics and realities, but they're angry and, and they're not doing well. I mean, Trump himself said, I, one of the weird things he said I love the uneducated. And, uh, and so uh, it is a disappointment that, that there are so many, to me at least, that there are so many Americans who would uh, fall for, this this guy who is a populist uh, rabble-rousing almost a strongman kind of a figure
0: we're in a we're we're going to be heading toward a, a bit of a lull in the primary calendar uh, frank Pignanelli, as we kind of you know take a breath here um, what what do you think are the, the biggest things that you'll be looking for both on the republican and democratic side
1: well on the democratic side we'll see if uh... Bernie Sanders is able to pick up any—you know, it could be a, to build up his ground game in some of these states in the West, uh, because it would be his best shot. And then we know what Hillary Clinton's able to do. But, but obviously, the, the, the trajectory seems to be for Hillary Clinton and how she starts positioning herself. She needs to start thinking about how she rebuilds her credibility to with the general population uh, to take on Trump. The, the, the second thing will be fascinating to watch with Republicans to see— the establishment. What do they do to try to drive this into a contested election? Because if, if Trump falls short of the amount, do you still deny him that? Or do you try to, to, to do the end run? And there's two schools of thought, is that you can't deny Trump if he's won the primaries. But the other school of thought is, Trump's been Republican for two or three months. Why destroy a party just for the purity at the convention? And they need to salvage the party by coming up with somebody else to, to carry the banner after the convention. That's going to be the ultimate question for it. In other it isn't necessarily a, a right answer, but if there's an answer that, you know, for the future of the party, that has to be answered by the party leaders, and that'll be fascinating to watch, too.
0: LeVar Webb, same question. What do you be looking for?
2: Well, uh, while there is the, the number of... Uh, a primary slow down a little bit, it will give the candidates a chance to uh, to try to project more of a, a national uh, presence and uh, hone their, their image a little bit. And I, I think we will see, I think we'll see Trump more and more uh, act like he's in the general election and take on Hillary Clinton. And I think we'll see him moderate, try to moderate some of his uh, views and and uh, and try to appeal to a broader swath of of people. Uh, so, and I I think I think we'll see Hillary Clinton consolidate uh, uh, the support and and become the obvious nominee. I think that'll happen fairly quickly. Although I think in Utah on Tuesday, I think it's going to be very close, and and Sanders could could have a chance of. Of winning here, so so, uh, and the Republicans, as Frank said, will continue to try to figure out: is there any way to stop Trump? And none of the scenarios are good in that regard, mm-hmm. I don't think.
0: Levar Webb, uh, th- this this is extraordinary. But it's, uh, not in our not in the recent past, anyway, uh, have we seen an open convention, and we may see one this time. We're we're no candidate gets the nomination on the first ballot. Uh, well,
2: and, and that will be fascinating to watch, and it'll be great for the news media. It'll, it'll be, uh, uh, I mean, this, this race uh, election has been so unpredictable that uh, something major could yet happen, and if it is a contested uh, convention and no one gets the, a majority on the first ballot, uh, but again, it'll be chaos.
0: It'll be crazy. Uh, it'll be unpredictable. Frank Pignatoli, this is total speculation, of course, but uh, that's what we do in the media, I guess. Uh, in an open convention, what do you think would it, would it, would there be room for a dark horse, uh, you know, candidate to swooping in? Mitt Romney, uh, Paul Ryan?
1: I, I I think so. If you had, you know, if you had two or three ballots and Trump couldn't get to the uh, couldn't reach the, the threshold. And you know, and all these delegates, you know, become then available. I actually think it'd be good for the country and it'd be good for the Republican Party because, because even though the Trump supporters would 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 be, would be grumpy and go home, you know, I'm not sure I want all of them. Again, <laughs> I hate to say necessarily, you know, reflecting their sentiments in a general election ballot. Anyway, I mean, these these are people that are being, you know, that for some whatever reason, some of the, the darker elements of society are appealing to them. I actually think it would be good for the country because it would show that our democracy is vibrant and that while someone like Trump can, you know, win elections, but also people can use a democratic process to push back. What I would hate to see is that the strongman authoritarian, as we've seen in other countries and we've seen throughout history, can use a democratic process to achieve the top. And then, of course, they start dismantling, it as, as, as Trump has promised to do, whether it's free of the press or otherwise. So I think it would be a great... Signal to the country to have an open convention, a uh, Republicans push back against him, and and he comes to, and he is not the nominee. We
0: Just have a couple minutes left. I want to start with Levar Webb on this uh, and uh, talk about the process for other offices and that it might get lost in the shuffle. And p- some people might be confused. They've got presidential caucuses on Tuesday, but what about the other races? What's what's the calendar there? What's what's happening?
2: because uh, those other races have been overshadowed by the presidential race and and, uh, we we do have a a contested gubernatorial race uh, both on the Republican and Democratic side in in Utah. Uh, Jonathan Johnson is mounting a a, a campaign against Governor Herbert and on the Democratic side you have a couple of interesting candidates. Uh, I think the fact that Right up to the caucus on Tuesday, there has been very little written about the gubernatorial race. It's probably good for Governor Herbert uh, uh, because Jonathan Johnson has not gotten much attention. Of course, after the, after the caucuses, is when both all candidates will be going after those delegates and try to win support of the delegates. And of course, you also have the ability of candidates to gather signatures to get on the ballot as well so it is in some ways unfortunate that those other races have been overshadowed
0: and uh, frank Pignelli, same same thing you go to your caucus and you'll you'll not only have president to to look at but other races
1: yeah there'll be other races you know uh uh, while the the governor's race is contested the interesting thing is that that you do have the petition signatures that for some candidates if they're in a contested race have chosen that route so regardless what happens with the delegate selection they're going to be on the they're going to be on the ballot which changes uh, the dynamics but but a lot will be governed by you know it's overshadowed by that so what's going to be interesting is how the parties and these statewide and congressional candidates figure out how to get out the vote and how to structure the message in, in you know, in anticipation of who's going to be at the top of the ticket. Because even if Trump's top of the ticket, uh, Democrats got to figure out how they incorporate or don't incorporate that. And, and with Hillary at the top, who's also in, uh, unpopular in many parts of the state, too. So it's, it, you know, it's not different in many ways than any other presidential year and that is how parties use or don't use who's carrying the banner at the top
0: well we uh, have reached the end of this segment uh, we thank very much frank pignanelli and lavar Webb, Deseret uh, news columnists and uh, longtime political hands in uh, utah for their perspective uh, thank you gentlemen
2: thank you you're
0: welcome uh, coming up later in the program we'll be talking with jonathan choate who's been on this program uh, several times, talking about uh, mostly computer issues and, and some uh, political issues. Uh, he's getting out the word on Republican caucuses. Um, and uh, coming up next, following a break, we'll bring in Peter Karun, who's the Democratic Party chairman for Utah. Hope that you'll weigh in as well. Tell us who you're going to support at uh, caucus. May uh, be your focus not on the presidential race, but on other races. And the uh, email is upraxess at gmail.com, upraccess at gmail.com. And uh, our phone number is
3: 1-800-826-1495. More following the break. Programming on Utah Public Radio was made possible in part by our members and the Utah State University Alumni Association. Funding student scholarships at USU with Aggie license plates. More information at (laughs) alumni.usu.edu.
2: Did you know that there are strategies that can help you to save money, even if you don't feel like you can put anything in the bank right now? Pre-committing to your decision to save makes you more likely to carry it out. So if you know you can put money aside in the future, set up an automatic savings plan that will go into effect a few months down the road. You can also encourage your children to save by opening a savings account for them. You can do this as soon as you have their social security numbers. And when your child is seven or eight, that is a good time to start teaching them about the value of money. Parents are the main resource children learn their spending habits from.
4: This segment of Did You Know That? has been brought to you by our members and the Emma Eccles Jones College of Education and Human Services, committed to mentoring tomorrow's educators, researchers, and clinicians, located on campuses in Logan and 26 other sites throughout Utah.
0: Thanks for joining us for Access Utah. We're talking about the presidential campaign season. It has been extraordinary in many ways. The show is coming to Utah with caucuses for the Democrats, Republicans, and I believe the Constitution Party on Tuesday. And there was to be a to have been a Republican presidential debate that was scheduled for Salt Lake City is now canceled. But uh, several of the candidates are coming to Utah ahead of the caucuses. And we're talking about it on the program today. We have been talking with LeVar Webb and Frank Pignatelli Desert News columnist later in the program. Jonathan Choate, who will talk about the Republican Coxes. right now. We bring in Peter Karoon, who's a Democratic Party chairman for Utah. Mr. Karun, thank you for joining us. Oh, my pleasure. Uh, Let me get in this email before we jump in here. Uh, This comes from Carl. He says, once again, the Republicans like LeVar Webb blamed the rise of the Tea Party on President Obama. Um, If he would check the facts, the Tea Party actually started with President Bush. Of course, Republicans don't care about facts. The Republicans are the only ones to blame for Tea Party and the rise of Donald Trump. Uh, thanks for that, Carl. Um, and in Mr. Webb's defense, uh, I did hear that passing reference. I wanted to uh, to nail that down to see if that's exactly what he meant, but uh, we got on to other things. Uh, so keep those emails coming to upraxess at gmail.com, upraccess at uh, gmail.com. Peter Karun, I, I wonder, maybe just, uh, I want to get into some specifics of the caucuses, and uh, we're we're trying to, you know, drum up participation in whatever caucus you'd like to go to. But first of all, your take on, on this extraordinary Season, maybe start with uh, with Donald Trump.
5: Well, obviously uh, he's uh, been sort of the lightning lightning rod, and frankly, he's he's been the person who's getting the uh, uh, the a lot of the attention in this race. But we have you know candidates on both sides, and uh, uh, Donald Trump is uh, certainly not uh, who who I'll be voting for. But uh, I think he is a reflection of the Republican Party and. <laughs> the uh, anti-establishment uh, uh, efforts that we're seeing coming from our citizenry.
0: And uh, Bernie Sanders, that has been extraordinary to see that, uh, that movement uh, surround Bernie Sanders.
5: Yeah, I mean, uh, the young people are, are getting out there in, in droves to vote for Bernie Sanders, and uh, obviously he's got a message that re- resonates as well on the other side.
0: Um, I believe Bernie Sanders is coming to Utah ahead of the caucuses. Uh, I don't know about uh, about Hillary Clinton.
5: Uh, Bernie Sanders will be here uh, Friday tomorrow in uh, Salt Lake City at Sunnyside Park. Uh, Hillary Clinton, uh, my understanding, is not coming, but her daughter Chelsea was here on Tuesday, and so she was a great, uh, great advocate for her mother.
0: Okay. Um, so caucuses, and by the way, I, I should be plugging this website. It's a very useful website, uh, caucus.utah.gov. You can find uh, your party and uh, where to caucus. We're talking now with the uh, Democratic Party chairman for Utah, Peter Karun. Um, so I think some people might have never gone to a caucus, maybe, and they might find the process mystifying and off-putting. Maybe you could demystify it for us, and we can encourage uh, turnout at the caucuses.
5: Sure. First of all, as you said, uh, caucus.utah.gov is where people can go. So one of the issues that I think we may see is that people will show, show up at their traditional voting place and expect to be able to vote there, only to realize that nobody's there. Uh, so so uh, uh, the state legislature, in its infinite wisdom, decided not to host a primary. And I say that uh, <laughs> jokingly. Uh, decided not to host a primary, and they said, "Well, you know, you the, the political parties can do that yourselves." And uh, so, uh, so w- we're now uh, taking that upon ourselves to host the uh, essentially we're calling it a preference poll for our presidential candidate. So the Republicans will hold their caucuses, the Democrats will hold our caucuses, and those caucuses are traditionally where people go to to be selected as a delegate to vote for county and state uh, candidates. So that will still happen. But at the same time, we're using those caucus meetings to uh, allow people to come and vote for their favorite presidential candidate. So the the Democrats uh, will be hosting ours. We actually have four candidates on on the ballot. Uh, Obviously, Hillary Clinton and Bernie Sanders are the two prominent ones. And then we have two other candidates who are are on there as well. Um, The the people can go to uh, find their uh, locations, again, at caucus.utah.gov. And for the Democrats, we welcome everybody, so anybody can vote at our caucuses. Also, uh, you know, people sometimes have called in saying, well, I've got my family with me, and can I still come? And, yeah, bring your kids. Uh, that's fine with us. Uh, they can come starting at 6 o'clock all the way up to 8.30 uh, to vote. Uh, essentially, they'll fill out a form and then uh, check the box for the candidate whom they, they like to vote for. They can either stay at the meeting, become a delegate if that's what they want to do, or, or they can leave. And uh, as, as uh, Democrats, uh, again, we allow everybody to come. So if you're a, a Democrat, independent, Republican, Constitution Party, if you want to come vote for one of the Democratic candidates, you're you're welcome to do that. And uh, and if anybody's uh, going to be uh, 18 by the time of the general election in November, and they're just 17 now, they can actually come uh, and vote as well. And that somebody who's not registered to vote and they want to vote, uh, they can come and get registered right there and then. And vote as well. So we're trying to make it as easy as as possible for people who want to vote in our democratic caucus.
0: Do you have to bring anything with you? Your ID, I guess, maybe is uh, that's what you uh, bring. Do,
5: you do need an identification. Uh, um, so please, please bring an identification if if you if you have a driver's license. Obviously, that's easy. If you have uh, some other form of identification that that can be used as well.
0: Now, we, we get idea of caucuses from, say, the Iowa caucuses, and I, I guess different kinds of caucus, different caucuses are different. Um, one thing that might deter people, um, maybe you can dispel this, you you won't have to go to the Democratic caucus and do any public speaking, will you, uh, unless you want to?
5: No, 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 no. So, so again, it ter- serves two purposes. You can come and just vote and, and leave, or uh, you can stay. If you want to become a delegate, you may have to... Uh, you know, say why you want to become a delegate. You don't. Have to, you don't have to do that in front of a large number of people. Just uh, people that live in that specific uh, precinct. Um, but if somebody wants to become a, a delegate uh, to the county or state uh, Democratic conventions, they can stick around and, and do that as well. And that's you know, that's, that's fun. If you've never been involved in the process, it's interesting for people to see how that works. And on the Democratic side. Uh, we uh, we welcome that participation.
0: So uh, there would be the, the preference for for uh, president. What about the other races? You, do you if you want to run as a delegate, you can become a delegate, and and then at that point, you go to convention, and that's where the candidates would be selected. Is that how it works?
5: Exactly. So for any inter party uh, races, uh, you uh, you become a delegate, and then you go to the conventions uh, and and vote for the uh, for the Utah. Democratic Party State Convention. It's going to be on April 23rd. Um, and also, it's, it's, the, it's the location or, and time where people can actually become national delegates to the uh, presidential uh, uh, campaign. So uh, in Philadelphia, at the end of July, Democrats will be getting together. And if you want to become a national delegate, you can actually go there um, to uh, to express your, your vote uh, for either uh, probably be Hillary Clinton or, or Bernie Sanders at that point.
0: Well, we've been talking with uh, Peter Karun, who is Democratic Party chairman for Utah. Uh, th- thank you so much. Appreciate it.
5: My pleasure.
0: And again, though, that website, caucus.utah.gov, you can find out a lot more information. Um, and let's take just a very brief break. When we come back, uh, let's talk with uh, Jonathan Choate, a uh, friend of the program. He's getting out the word about the Republican uh, caucuses. Uh, more following this brief break. Hi, this is
1: Steve Inskeep with NPR's Morning Edition, your morning news destination. Remember that as you go through your day, you can tune in for Here and Now with Robin Young and Jeremy Hobson. You get the latest news and insight, and always something unexpected.
4: Join us this morning at 11 on Utah Public Radio.
0: Thanks for joining us for Access Utah. We've reached our last segment and we're going to bring in now Jonathan Choate, who's been on this program several times talking about uh, computer and technical issues and uh, some uh, politics as well and uh, Jonathan uh, you're 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 getting out the word on Republican coxes at this point I believe.
4: That's that's correct. I'm the uh, District 5 co-chair and having had some radio experience, I got the uh, I got tasks with contacting all the radio stations that i can to come on and spread the word about Caucus.
0: very very good let me before we get some details uh, let me get this email in you can email us to upraxis at gmail.com love to get your comment this is from nick he says the talk is all trump and hillary being someone with a developmental and physical disability i'm scared that the limited rights i will i have will be taken away from me I have fought to keep myself, quote-unquote, afloat. I can do anything life uh, throws at me. I just want to have a candidate that cares for the people, not just power. That's Nick. Thanks for that, Nick. Uh, Jonathan Choate, uh, I, I think some people who have never done this before, and we're trying to encourage everybody to get out to their caucus, uh, some people who have never done it especially might be a little nervous about it. What's, what's the process like?
4: So I mean, it can be it can be a little intimidating if you've never done it, but it's really not that bad. You just basically go up go out and hang out with your neighbors. That's what it is. you're You're going to a neighborhood meeting. Uh, wherever you're at in the state, the areas for the precincts are quite small. So in many cases, especially in more urban areas, it's just a matter of you know less than a square mile in some cases uh, may make up a precinct. So that you're going out with your neighbors, you're meeting at, you know, usually it's a school or, uh, you know, a court building or something like that, and you're electing representatives for your neighborhood to represent you at the county and state conventions. This year's is the nominating convention, so we're picking, you know, the those delegates are going to pick the nominees, um, although this is a hybrid year, so we don't know really how that's all going to work out. <laughs>
0: Uh, so will you have a chance to state a preference for uh, you know, a, a Republican uh, ca- specific Republican candidate, or are you just you're picking delegates, and then they'll choose
4: the, the candidate? So tonight we have the opportunity to, uh, to have a presidential preference. Now, this—or, not, sorry, not tonight, excuse me, at the coming caucuses. This is the first time it's been this way, so everybody needs to understand there will not be a presidential primary in June like there has been in the past. This is it coming up a caucuses. Now the opportunity was there to register to vote online, but that deadline has passed. So if you have not already registered before the 15th, so two days ago, you cannot vote online. You need to show up in person uh, to do it.
0: Okay, so you you show up. I guess you need to bring an ID. That's all. You show up at the the place. Yes, you
4: need to bring an ID. Um, It is the caucus meetings are closed, so you can only participate if you're a registered Republican. You can observe if you're not, and you can choose to register to vote and identify as a Republican at the meeting. So you don't have to do it beforehand. Okay. If you're not and you want to, you can fill out the form right there and participate fully.
0: And I've been giving out the website, is this a good one, caucus.utah.gov to find out? Uh, that one works. If okay. you want
4: to go and pre-register, not to vote online because that deadline has passed, but up to the 20th, you can pre-register for caucuses. It just makes the process more smooth. You don't have to fill out as much stuff. Um, uh, it you know, helps with check-in times. So you can go to uh, utah.gop, and right there is a big banner on the front of it where you can pre-register for caucuses.
0: Okay. And uh, then you'll be, if you're, you attend the caucus, you'll be choosing delegates to go to a convention, and that's how uh, down-party offices will be will be selected.
4: So you you will express your preference for presidential candidate directly there. So that will be done on caucus night. And then up for other candidates, you elect state and county delegates who will then be voting on your behalf towards who will be the nominee for the parties.
0: And if you go to caucus.utah.gov, you'll see several parties there. Democrats are holding caucuses, Republicans, I believe, Constitution Party as well. And uh, if uh, you support the Libertarian or Independent American uh, parties, they're holding conventions on uh, April uh, 23rd. Uh, but if you're a Republican, Democrat, or Constitution Party member, uh, definitely want to encourage you to get out to your caucus. As Jonathan Choate said, there will be no uh, primary. This year it's just all uh, caucuses. Um, so I guess we just have a couple minutes left here, uh, Jonathan. Um, there, there have been... Some appeals. I know the uh, Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, once again, uh, has issued an appeal to uh, to get people out to the caucus of their party of choice. Uh, your appeal to, to get people out.
4: Yeah, this is this is your chance as an individual. If you show up to caucuses, you have a, a real voice in what goes on. Uh, you know, it, The chance to go there, to interact with people, to hear other people's opinions, and to express your own, To potentially run as a delegate, Um, you know, state or county delegate, it's not that daunting. Really, your task is when you're running as a delegate, you are committing to do the research and find out the, you know, the information you can on behalf of your neighbors. Um, And I am a firm proponent of the caucus convention system. I've been a delegate several times, and it allows the delegates, it allows the candidates to to really have time to talk to the delegates, to to get in depth rather than 30-second sound bites, uh, and you could get you could ask those questions. And because it's not in an open primary where everything is media, you you. The first time I was a state delegate, I'll tell this little story. The very first time I was a state delegate, I was about 26 or so. I can't remember exactly. And never done it first time and i'm in my kitchen making dinner for the kids and i get a call you know saturday evening at seven and it was rob bishop on the phone not not somebody calling for him but him as the as our uh congressman and he spent 45 minutes on the phone with me just chatting and talking about things and wanting to know my opinion and explaining things um in the caucus convention system that access for delegates as representatives is there, and I, I'm a firm proponent of it, and I encourage everybody to go out and participate in your caucus of choice.
0: Well, we'll leave it there. That's a it's good appeal, and we're we're trying to to uh, let's get that appeal out to get people to uh, participate in the process, whatever your party is. Uh, There are caucuses for Democrats, Republicans, and Constitution Party on Tuesday, and a good place to go is caucus.utah.gov to find out where the caucus in your neighborhood is. Jonathan Cho, thank you so much. Appreciate it. Thank you. And uh, thanks for listening to Access Utah.
3: And from the newsroom today, Utah State University's Civil Rights Pilgrimage Group, 54 Strong, was in Birmingham, Alabama, researching the history and impact of young girls during the civil rights movement. Jason Gilmore has more. In order to understand the diverse impacts that women had on the civil rights movement, we need not look further than Birmingham, Alabama. In the early 1960s, Birmingham was one of the most segregated cities in the South and was a place where many civil rights organizers feared. In 1963, however, Birmingham would become the epicenter of the ongoing civil rights movement. In mid-1963, civil rights activists would lean heavy on Birmingham with a campaign they called Project C for confrontation. Project C focused on recruiting Birmingham students of all ages, and genders to march in downtown protests against segregation. The girls and women of these protests were seen as the heart of the campaign, keeping the momentum going as students were met with mass arrests, high-powered fire hoses, and police dogs. The efforts and successes of Project C in Birmingham would later be credited as paving the way for the passage of the 1964 Civil Rights Act. Later that year, in the shadow of the successes of Project C, Four special little girls would unwillingly give the ultimate sacrifice to the cause of equal rights. On September 15, 1963, Addie Mae Collins, Cynthia Wesley, Carol Robertson, and Denise McNair were killed in a bomb blast at the 16th Street Baptist Church in downtown Birmingham. The savagery of the attack reverberated throughout the world and affected countless lives. One such life is that of Carolyn McKinstry, who was 15 years old at the time and was in the church when the bomb went off.
6: The the memory that's etched in my mind is that Sunday, because we were all wearing white. It was youth day. Everybody was sort of bubbly and laughing and excited about what was going to happen. I did not attend their funeral, so the last image I have in my head is of that Sunday, everyone dressed in white, laughing and talking and preparing to come into the sanctuary. I'm glad that that's my last memory and I did not go to the funerals for that reason. I wanted that to be my last memory as opposed to the memories you will have at a funeral.
3: McKinstry since has focused her life on finding ways to better understand how to bridge human differences and now works in ministry focused specifically on reconciliation.
6: Forgiveness is not an option, it's an imperative, but it's also something very good for us because it is by letting go of that, that we can move on. When we carry those things around, it's like a weight and it's very difficult to really do all of the things that you might be called to do. As in the case of the bombing of this church, I sat right in front of the bomber at the trial. I had to forgive him. He looked like someone's grandfather by that time, but uh, not just a nice old man. But I forgave him, and I began to realize the importance of not carrying all of that extra baggage. Interviews on this segment were
3: conducted by Harleen DeLeon from USU and Anish Mibu and Laura Rebels from the University of Washington. Support for the USU Civil Rights Pilgrimage 54 Strong is made possible in part by our members, the USU Access and Diversity Center and the USU Diversity Council, cultivating diversity of thought and culture and serving the public through learning, discovery, and engagement. Jason Gilmore and his students were reporting from Birmingham, Alabama for Utah Public Radio.